This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Empty Pews. Um, We're coming back to you after a really, really snowy week in Highlands. We all kind of got um, dumped on last uh, weekend. A ton of snow up here. And now we still have snow, but you can drive on the roads. And we're back in the office. And... um, and Bentley came in this morning and was like, ooh, I'm really sore. And so I'm wondering if you want to tell folks the cause of that. Sure. Our youngest daughter had a birthday party last night, and we had it at the uh, gymnastics facility in Franklin. Not because she's a gymnast, but because she thinks she's a ninja. And so we had there were trampolines and bars to swing on and big foam pits to jump into. And you were not just a spectator. Yeah, I thought, you know, why not join in? I love it. Yeah, and so I'm a little sore this morning. It feels like that feeling after you go water skiing, you know? Like where you think, oof, I hadn't done that in a while. Um, That's how I feel. But Kellen, you've been down to this spot. They also have a climbing gym, like in another area of the facility. Yeah, there's like a bouldering area, um, kind of like in the room next to the gymnastics center and yeah i go there about once a week usually to climb well i'm not telling you what to do but you you might want to consider walking through the door and going to the trampoline area it's a lot of fun So if you are a like really thorough reader of our weekly update, you might know that Bentley is on the commission on ministry. And if you're not like a church nerd, you might have no idea what that even means. So maybe you could say what it is, Bentley. Sure. Um, The commission on ministry is um, a group of folks that are made up uh, by the bishop's appointment Um, who help people discern what God is calling them into. Um, In particular, a diocesan commission on ministry really is is looking at folks who are perceive a call uh, to the priesthood or to the diaconate. Um, And the bishop has got a group of us together uh, to work with and meet those folks, uh, listen to their stories, and then help support the bishop in figuring out uh, what God is asking of the church uh, through and by um, those folks. And the reason I keep kind of referencing the bishop here is because um, our ecclesiology uh, puts that that responsibility squarely uh, in the bishop's office. Uh, So he is the one Um, In this case, in Western North Carolina, Bishop Jose is the one who kind of makes that prayerful decision, but uses the Commission on Ministry as a support and a sounding board. And it's probably pretty rare. Pretty rare? 
for a bishop to sort of go against the Commission on Ministries recommendation? Yeah, I don't know if this <laughs> this is behind the veil, Kellen, uh, but my understanding, uh, according to our bishop, is that historically, uh, since he's been in Western North Carolina, which is to say since he's been a bishop, he's always been kind of lockstep with uh, what the Commission on Ministry recommends. That's my understanding, but I just started, so I I don't really know all the ins and outs, but um, I think that's pretty much the trend throughout the church. Yeah, I just was was curious. Um, So for people who are going through discernment like both Bentley and I did to become priests uh, I was like sort of terrified of the calm you know folks on the calm it can be sort of an intimidating experience um and there are lots of sort of I don't know if you can call them horror stories (laughs) about people's interviews with commission on ministries but um I I hope I hope that your calm, the calm that you're on, is um, gentle with people. Well, I, that's a helpful word, Kellen. I think part of the reason um, it's a it's a scary process is because I think what God requires of us when we're in discernment is to be open and honest, uh, and open and honest at least within our own church, not just with God directly in the, in the silence of our prayers, but open and honest with a community of people. And insofar as the church requires that, it is a dangerous thing to enter into because bound up in all of our uh, honesty and our hopes and prayers um, is the possibility of real disappointment in lots of different ways. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm mindful that this is a thing that requires grace and um, care because people are kind of offering you their deepest prayer and asking you uh, with a group of people, with uh, the bishop, um, the church, and God to consider all of that. Um, yeah, and sometimes really like the most sort of honest and loving answer is to say, hey, no, we don't actually, um, we don't see this call on your life for the priesthood and the diaconate. I've heard stories like that where people sort of later agree, you know, in the moment they can't see themselves, but then later on they're like, oh, yes, I would have, that would have been a terrible life for me. That actually wouldn't have gone well. Um, but it is, it's just a very delicate situation because people's, lives are <laughs> kind of hanging in the balance and their their hopes and dreams for the future and um and as a person who goes through that process you you do feel like you don't have a lot of control because you don't yeah well it's really really good and important service in the larger body so um thanks for doing that all right kellen but before it's too late can you give me a little bit of advice in addition to being careful and gentle with people's uh, lives what else what advice would you give someone on the commission on ministry um maybe two things one is sort of in line with what i've said already is that i think a good con um begins and ends with gratitude for a person's willingness to like step forward and explore this um this possibility of a call with the community i think that takes like a lot of bravery and sacrifice 
And so the church just saying, thank you for doing this, um, because the church needs priests and deacons, um, is really important. I would also say this is kind of like uh, nuts and bolts. But one thing I noticed going through the process myself was that um, the administration or the communication um, that the comm did or didn't offer to the, the candidates or postulants, um, aspirants, whatever you want to call them, was super spotty and, um, and not well done. And so I think like good, good administration, good communication is honoring someone's process and like don't leave people hanging in the balance for too long. I think that's unfair. Those are, that's some wonderful uh, advice, Kellen. Um, it seems right to me. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, today. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in The gospel for this coming Sunday comes from the fourth chapter of Luke, when we hear Jesus teaching and speaking in the synagogue at Nazareth. It's this kind of uh, moment where we hear that they drive him out of the synagogue, out of his home, own hometown, and Jesus uh, says, uh, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. Uh, that, you all know this scene, but that's, that's the gospel reading that we have from Luke this coming Sunday. So I'm preaching this Sunday. I'm not sure what I'm going to say at this point in time. But I'm super interested in the way that um, the crowd, the folks in Nazareth, sort of shift gears pretty abruptly. Um, The story talks about how they were amazed and delighted in what he was saying. And then by the end of it, they are like plotting his murder. And it is such... Uh, such a sort of bizarre uh, turn of events, I think. And I'm interested, I'm interested in their rage. I'm interested in why it happens. Uh, I think the text is a little blurry around why it happens. I think Mark and Matthew kind of paint the picture in a different way, that there's something about Jesus being a prophet from his hometown that limits their sight. But I think something else might be going on in Luke. I mean, I think what this gospel reading, Kellen, as you certainly know, is pointing us towards is uh, this this moment when Jesus is saying that God's work and God's action is not limited to a certain place, namely to the to Israel. Um, and I think that's probably, at least in this text, cause for their anger, uh, that God is um, capable of working and moving uh, beyond the kind of narrow confines that they have in their own in their own minds I think about um, Luke and Acts as a pair um, by the same author and how sort of overarching narrative and story is about how God's covenant extends um, to the Gentiles and and you see that narrative sort of sneaking in, in surprising ways. And I think you find that even at the beginning of the story in Luke 4, that the Spirit of God, um, the Lord's Day, 
um, the kingdom of God is going to be manifest and evident and offered to um, the whole world, not just those Jews in Nazareth. Thinking about how this uh, gospel reading might have a word for us uh, today, I'm aware that it is very, very easy uh, to begin to believe that God's grace and love is restricted and uh, available for folks that are just like us, and that when God starts to move um, to different people or groups um, who are a bit different than we are, that can cause um, no shortage of anger or frustration on our part. Um, I think sometimes we see this in little ways that we're surprised that a certain person or a certain group of people uh, want to start going to church. (laughs) And we think, how could it be that God would be involved in their lives or that they would be interested in God? Um, I think this happens all the time. Um, for us. And we think that, you know, in the end, God is only interested in in us or people like us, which is absurd. Yeah, I feel like after this conversation, um, like the sermon that's forming in my heart and mind is about like the expansiveness of grace and how um, our response to it can often be really stingy and entitled. Stay tuned for more on Sunday. Sometimes we end with a blessing. Sometimes we end with a prayer. Uh, On this episode, I want to end with a short reflection uh, by Austin Ferrer. This is what he writes about uh, the life of Jesus. Jesus broke the bread of the supper into as many pieces as there were disciples present. Peter took one piece, John another, and so on until there was none of it remaining. He gave his mysterious body away to his friends without remainder and without reserve, for that was the principle of his life. He also said to his disciples, Give, and it shall be given unto you. But I do not find that I give myself away as he gave himself away. I find that I am jealously keeping my life for myself, stealing this and that part from my neighbor and from God, making up little closed packets of pleasure and pride. Give, and it shall be given to you. If we could once for all give ourselves away, be perfectly at the disposal of God and of men and women, Jesus would fully give himself to us.
Thanks, y'all, for joining us on this episode of Empty Pews. It was so good to be with you. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday at 8 a.m. or 10.30 and um, for Bible study, which begins again on Tuesday, February 1 at 10.30. Uh, Between now and then, know that we love you. We miss you. God's peace.